Welcome, everyone. We're so glad to have you with us. What a blessing for us to be united, to worship our God together. A blessing to be family. Uh, for those of you who are old and been with us for a while, welcome. For those of you who are new, who have found us either on the internet or you're watching for the first time, we'd like to invite you to check out our website, uh, hbic.church. We'd love to for your chance to get to know us better, but also for us to get to know you as well. So contact us. We'd love to, again, get to know you. Um, as we sing, as we pray, as we listen, as we do this kingdom work together, we're reminded that we are God's family working for God's kingdom. Uh, today I'll be continuing our Remembrance series, uh, looking at the, the first part of this series is just focusing on the Old Testament. The Old Testament calls to remember. In Scripture, uh, in the Word, we're called to remember, but also in life, God calls God's people to remember. I think, again, as I've been stressing the last couple of weeks, this is because uh, we're quick to forget. We're quick to forget um, that God is here, that God is in it with us, that God is present with us in this moment. But we're also quick to forget because we're really, really good at, at looking down, at looking at our situation, and looking at all that's going on around us when, when God really wants us to, to focus on God, to look up to Jesus, to, 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 to maybe look back on how God's been faithful and good and true. Because if we look up to Jesus, we can tarry on ahead. If, if we look back at how God's been faithful, we can be almost buffeted and strengthened to go on forward. So, so the challenge to remember is, is pulling us out of looking down and, and looking around and, and asking us to look up or to look back so that we can go forward. Now, we've said that this call to remember is balanced by a God who wants to be known. So how we are going to remember is looking at how God wants to be known. And we're using just basic questions of who, what, when, why, where, and how. So we start off with God saying, remember who I am, Yahweh, the God who was, the God who is, and the God who will be. That same God is with you now. Last week, or then last week we talked about, remember what I have done, looking back at our lives and saying how God has prepped, how God has prepared us for this moment now, for this life now, for this time now. And in that preparation, what is God calling us to do? Now this week we'll, we'll look at remembering when I have saved. And I have to admit, you know, when I first started um, mapping out the series, you know, I was like, oh, remember when I have saved? And we're going to look at Old Testament. We got to go to Noah and the flood. And I really thought that's what the focus was going to be. Because that is a, a story that is so etched in our memories. As I read through the, the flood story this week and as I reflected on Noah, I realized that for most of us, we don't have trouble remembering Noah and the flood. You know, whether it's grandparents or parents, whether it's Sunday school teachers or a picture Bible, we remember that story. We remember the story of, you know, the world not being as it should be, of, of God growing almost frustrated and, and, and seeing the hatred that, that we lived with. It. He wanted this restart. And the restart came by the way of this terrible flood and how God saved Noah. And I, I feel like we do a good job at least remembering that part. So I started asking God, but what are we called to remember? What do you want us to remember now? And I was reminded of our passage this morning, how at the end of Noah's story, you get God making covenant with Noah. So that's what we're going to remember, how God has saved or when God has saved by making covenant with Noah. Before we get started, I'll be reading this morning 
portions from um, Genesis 8 and also uh, chapter 9. So it's just going to be one verse in chapter 8 and then chapter 9, 7 to 17. So Genesis 8, 1 and then 9, 7 to 17. Uh, before we get started, though, let's pray together. Our God, we thank you that you are indeed our refuge, our strength, our ever-present help in every time of trouble. Lord, we pray now that as we uh, just reflect on who you are and the, the promises that you've made to us, may we be not only grateful but thankful. We may not be um, happy but, but truly, truly excited that the God who's all-powerful is on our side. May we be just reliant on you. May we look to you now, God, the God who saves us the God who carries us, and the God who tells us to not just look down or not just look around, but to look back and to look up so that we can move forward. In your holy and precious name, Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen. Again, our text would be Genesis 8.1 and then 9.7-17. Genesis 8.1 says, But God remembered Noah and all the wild animals and the livestock that were with him in the ark. And he sent a wind over the earth, and the waters receded. Then we'll jump to 9, uh, 7 to 17. Chapter 9, 7, 17, starting at verse 7. As for you, be fruitful and increase in number. Multiply on the earth and increase upon it. Then God said to Noah and his, to his sons with him, I now establish my covenant with you and with your descendants after you. With every living creature that was with you, the birds, the livestock, and all the wild animals, all those that came out of the ark with you, every living creature on the earth, I establish my covenant with you. Never again will all life be destroyed by waters of a flood. Never again will there be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, this is the sign of the covenant I am making between me and you and every living creature with you. A covenant for all generations to come. I have set my rainbow in the clouds and it will be the sign of the covenant between me and the earth. Whenever I bring clouds over the earth and the rainbow appears in the clouds, I will remember my covenant between me and you and all living creatures of every kind. Never again will the waters become a flood to destroy all life. Whenever the rainbow appears in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and all living creatures of every kind on the earth. So God said to Noah, this is the sign of the covenant I have established between me and all life on the earth. Now, what's fascinating to me as I was preparing this week is, is to think about how early Genesis is this sweeping, fast-moving epic. And early Genesis is just story after story of when God saves. Genesis, remember, the first uh, uh, listeners, really, the hearers of this word, of this story, of God's meta-narrative, God's big story, they would have heard it, and they would have heard something that's just amazing, but it's moving so quickly, right? So they would have began with this God, the creator, who creates good. God, the creator who creates the world and is good in God's eyes. For people who are perhaps used to, to hearing gods who created the world reluctantly or, or created the world because they were bored or created the world to, to just make the humans work for them, they were introduced to Yahweh who's good. Yahweh who works for the betterment of mankind. Yahweh who created and everything is good in God's eyes. But as the epic continues, we find that we as humans, we sin and we fall short. And because of our fall, because of our sin and falling short, there comes consequences as, as shalom is broken. The peace that was created good between God and humankind, between us and the world, between us and each other. That shalom is broken and there's consequences 
consequences that leads to death and separation and that broken shalom. But God sets out this plan for redemption. God sets out this plan for a savior to come, for a savior to come that would redeem and rebuild and reconcile and bring redemption so that we can know shalom again. And the sweeping epic continues and we meet Cain and Abel, which is a story not just about murder or, or not just about innocent blood and not just about worshiping God with all your heart and giving God your best. But it's a story about Tim Shell, this beautiful Old Testament concept that reminds us that sin lies at our door, that sin lies at our door and it wants to rule over us. But the concept of Tim Shell and Cain and Abel reminds us that thou mayest rule over it, meaning that though sin lies at our door, we will always have a choice. We'll have a choice to be ruled by sin or to rule over sin. We'll have a choice to look like God or look like the devil as sin rules over us. And the story epic continues after Cain and Abel. After Cain and Abel, we meet Noah. But before we meet Noah, we get this kind of like this broad stroke, this giant paintbrush that says, things are so evil in the world that God regrets creating creation. That things are so bad that God wants a restart and to start over. And ever since I've been a kid, this story has stood out to me because I grew up hearing about how bad the world is, how terrible the world is, and how everything is bad. And I always thought to myself, it can't be that bad because at least God doesn't want to start over. But why doesn't God want to start over now? But Noah. Noah gets one of the most beautiful epitaphs, if you will, one of the most beautiful introductions in all of Scripture. Noah is called righteous before God, blameless before others, and faithful in how he obeys his God. Righteous before God, blameless before others, and faithful in how he obeys his God. Because of Noah, because of that faithfulness and obedience, destruction comes by flood. But God, you know, when I was a kid, when I first heard this story, one of the things that my, my teacher, I think my Sunday school teacher shared was that, you know, there was only one door on the ark. And, and, and that teacher was quick to point out that that, that door is a, is a representative of Jesus Christ who says, you know, I am the door by me that anyone who comes in will go in and be saved. And I always thought that was cool. But I'm not sure that Noah was thinking about Jesus. I think Noah was thinking about being faithful and following the instruction, but I do think that Zoe is symbolic of Jesus, yes. But I also think it's symbolic of God being faithful. Because just as Noah was faithful to obey, to build the ark, to gather the animals, to gather his family, to go in, God was faithful to close the door. And yes, destruction came. But so the dry land. Yes, the storms came, but so did the peace of receding waters. And I love that after Noah steps foot on dry land, Noah remembers God's faithfulness. And Noah builds an altar to remember God's faithfulness. And that's where we are in our text, where God, after the flood, after Noah builds the altar, God comes down and promises never again. Remember when I have saved you, Noah, and I'm going to remember by making covenant with you. 
Our passage, though it appears in in Genesis 8 and Genesis 9, is rather straightforward. Yahweh commands Noah and his sons and his descendants to be fruitful and to multiply, which makes sense because by our count, there's only about eight of them. So the command to be fruitful and multiply makes sense. That doesn't jump out at you. But what jumped out to me is how God makes this promise to covenant. God says, Noah, to you and your descendants, I make my covenant. Noah, to every living creature on the earth, I make my covenant. Never again will I destroy all life by flood. Never again will flood destroy the earth. And I've been thinking this week about the God who creates it all. Once shalom, not just between us and God, not just between us and each other, but with all of creation. And God, who's this beautiful creator, God, who's this wonderful creator, God, who has all this diversity in his creation, promises never again. Promises not only sustainability to creation, but shalom to creation. And then God says, my rainbow is going to be the call to remember. When you see the rainbow, you remember this promise that never again will I destroy. But when you see this rainbow, it'll also be a reminder to me that never again will I destroy. Because covenant is about two parties agreeing. And the rainbow then serves as a sign between God and all of life. Now, covenant is a word that we use a lot in Christianity. But I want to take a few moments to kind of, in minutes, maybe explain what covenant is. What God is doing here by making covenant with Noah and his descendants and Noah and his family, God is pledging loyalty and love. The word for, for covenant in Hebrew shows up as berith. You know, here in Harrisburg, we have the Benai Barit apartments, right? That literally means children of the covenant. In the Greek, it shows up as diatheke. In, in English, we know it as testament. Covenant is God's loyal love, God's pledge of love to us. But for the ancients, they understood covenant even deeper than just a pledge of love. Because covenants were legally binding agreements with no exit clause. By entering into covenant, you are signing on forever. The ancients made these agreements and these covenants all the time. Kings would make it to their subjects that, you know, I will be your king. I will protect you. I will clear the roads for you. I will provide for you. And the the subjects would agree then to to pay taxes or, or to swear fealty or loyalty to the king. Covenants, though, were also what what villages will make to each other. Like, we may be side by side, and and that's a greater enemy, so we will come together as one to fight that greater enemy. We are covenanting with each other to look out for one another. Neighbors would also make covenants. Like, like they would have a line. "This This is where my property ends. This is where your property ends. But together, we will work together for the betterment of each other. So covenant was ancient agreements made by all sorts of people. But when we say that covenants were forever, it's because most covenants are, were, 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 were made in blood. You know, the idea of blood brothers comes from here. But the idea of, you know, in some, some cultures in the ancients, they, they would even take the blood and, and from here and from here, and they would pour it into a cup bowl, and they would drink that cup of blessing to make that covenant with one another. Because what they were saying in this covenant is, I'm pledging my loyalty and love to you. I'm pledging my, 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 my fealty to you. I'm pledging to work for your good. 
but I'm pledging this till death do us part. Because to covenant with one another was to hesed one another, which is that ancient Hebrew word that means to work together for your good, to always look out for you, to give God's best to you. That's what I'm pledging to do. Covenant was also this agreement that I've touched on a little bit to protect one another. In, in certain covenants and cultures, you see this with David and Jonathan, for example, they would take their weapons and they would exchange their weapons, meaning that what I have to protect myself is now given to protect you because we are in covenant, we will protect one another. And in that same covenant, you had some people would take off their robe, which is a source of identity. Your robe would identify your family, your class, your culture. You would take off that robe and put it on to your, your brother or put it on to your sister, put it on to whoever you're coming in covenant with. Because what you were saying is not only are we pledging to protect one another, but my identity is now in you as your identity is now in me. And the last thing about covenant that's really, really fascinating is that it extended not only to the representatives, not only to who they were stepping up and saying, this is the people I'm representing, but they extended to children and descendants because the ancients believe that though your children are not here yet, your children are physically in you. So if I'm making an agreement with you, everyone that's in you also gets this agreement. So for example, when David makes covenant with Jonathan and David finds out about Mephibosheth, David extends covenant love and gives Mephibosheth not only his name or title or not only, you know, like uh, uh, his, his physical destiny, but he gives him a seat at the king's table. Because Mephibosheth was in Jonathan when David covenanted with Jonathan. Everyone that is in you, the children and descendants, they all get it too. So how does this all play for us? Well, yes, God covenants with Noah. But in that covenant, we learn something about our God and how our God saves. Because for us, God covenants with all of us in Christ. In fact, in our name, brethren in Christ, that is a covenantal statement. And when we get to the second half of this series about remembrance, we'll focus just on what that in Christ means. Before we get to that, let's go back to Noah. What do we learn about this covenant with Noah? Well, first of all, we learn that God is faithful. God is faithful to Noah. God is faithful to all the creatures. God is faithful to you. God is faithful to me. And these are testaments of God's faithfulness. We learn through this story that God is not only all-powerful, but God is on Noah's side, just like God is all-powerful today and is on your side. We learn that God is both next to you but also in it with you and promises to never leave you. What a blessing that this loyal God, this loving God, this forever faithful God promises to be with you, to be next to you, to be in whatever you're going through with you and to lead you through. We also learn in this covenant that God promises hesed for all those he enters into relationship with. God is working for your good. God is consistently working for your good. No matter your situation, no matter what you struggle, no matter your triumph, no matter what you want to celebrate, no matter where you are right now, no matter how good you are at looking down and not looking up, no matter how good you are at looking around and not looking back, no matter what you're going through, 
God is working for your good. And we can rejoice that this same God is the one who's our refuge. This same God is the one who's our strength. This same God is the one who's our ever-present help in time of need. Our identity is found in this God. And lastly, just like covenant extended to all that was in the person, God's covenant extends to all that is in you. For the last couple of weeks, we've talked about how God has been faithful in the past, how God has been faithful to our ancestors to even allow us to be here in this present. But now covenant reminds us that God will be faithful in the future. Because if you live in this present, trusting God and relying on God's covenant love, you will be the ancestors that generations from now look back upon and praise God for. That those generations that live inside of you, when they come forth, they will know your story, which will point them to God's story, which will remind them that God's covenant lasts to all that is in us, not just all who have come, but all who will come. Covenant love asks us to remind or to remember when God has saved us. So that's where I want to end this morning, is to have you or to challenge you this week to simply reflect on when God has saved you. And this is the gospel of Jesus Christ, that the God of this world so loved us that Jesus gave up heaven to come to earth. That Jesus took on flesh and blood. That he who knew radiance took on skin. That he not only walked in our neighborhood, but he lived in love to show us how to please God. And after he showed us how to please God in life, he went to Calvary's tree and died the death that was ours. Amazing grace. But that Jesus who died is the same Jesus as the power of the Holy Spirit that God raised from the dead. And that Jesus who was raised from the dead is now ascended into heaven. And that Jesus who lives in heaven stands before the Father on your behalf. And that Jesus who stands before the Father on your behalf is the one who's preparing heaven until it's perfect for you. That is the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is how God has saved us. So this week... I want you to think about that. Think about that early point when you made that decision to accept Jesus as Lord. When you said, Father, forgive me for I've sinned and fell short. Father, I believe that Jesus is your son. I believe that he died for my sins. Lord, I confess and ask for your saving grace. I want you to think back and remember that point of salvation. Because remembering when God saves is not just about the gospel of Christ or how God saved you, but this is the witness of your life. So after you think back and remember that point of salvation, I want you to do something. I want you to pray, and then I want you to tell. I want you to pray for an opportunity this week to share your salvation story with somebody. And then I want you to be bold enough when God gives you that urging to go and tell that story. Because God promises faithfulness in the future as well. God in his covenant says everyone that is in you will be blessed. So by you being faithful to pray for opportunities, to listen to the urging of the Spirit, and to go and tell that story, 
all those spiritual children that live in you will now know about God's covenant love. Because remembering when God has saved us is the gospel of Christ, is the witness of our life. But it's also the invitation to life more abundantly. It's a chance for us to live the way God wants us to live by resting in peace of knowing that God is on our side, of knowing that God is good, of knowing that God will provide, of knowing that God will love, of knowing that God will carry us through. The compassionate one is the faithful one who's our refuge and our strength. So this week, remember when God saved you, because that's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Remember when God saved you, because that's the witness of your life. Remember when God saved you, because that's the invitation to life more abundantly. Remember when God saved you, because that's the fruit of your life. God has saved you. God has blessed you so that you can be a blessing. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. That same God who blesses us with the fruit calls us to be a blessing to our world. Amen? Amen. God bless you all.